Welcome to Fuel for Today, curated audio content from Pastor Bogdan Kipko. We are confident this will fuel your faith in the one who gives faith. If you have breath in your lungs, God has a plan for your life, a plan that is far better, bigger, and immensely more than anything you have ever imagined. If you look at this particular text, Jesus prepares everything. Now my question is, have we prepared it? And the great thing that happens in this text is that how the disciples answer. The people are asking, why do you need a donkey? Why do you need a colt? And the disciples say, the Lord has need of it. Now I'm going to tell you something that might make you feel uncomfortable in the consumeristic culture that we live in today. Jesus doesn't want some of your life. Jesus wants all of your life. When Jesus calls the disciples, he calls them to bid and die. Die for self. Die for my own preferences, my own desires, my own uh, affections, and live for Jesus. So there will be very uncomfortable things that you and I will have to do, but we do it because the Lord has need of it, and Jesus prepared the way for us. For us. Amen? Amen? Amen. So this is pretty much what's happening here. And so my question is, to you and to me, is this. What do you need to give up in your life today? Jesus prepared everything and the, the people here hear the disciples say the Lord has need of it. So my question is, what do you need to give up? Maybe your talent, your resources, your finances, your energy. What is it that we're holding on with such a tight grip onto? And here's the point. We as Christians, people who follow Jesus, need to be the most generous people in the entire world because anything we own, it's Jesus's. And we need to keep a loose grip on our possessions because nobody's going with a big U-Haul to heaven. Amen? Amen? So this is exactly what disciples are teaching us through this text. And so, if you read later on, it says that the disciples and the magnitude of people were throwing down their cloaks so that Jesus can walk on that. In the Eastern culture, it was a sign of respect to take out your outer garments, put it on the floor so that Jesus, a, a humble king on a donkey, would, would ride over that. And my question is, what do we need to throw down today? What, what are the things that we're holding on to so tightly? What things do we have? Things, money, possessions, resources, time, talent, energy, charisma, whatever it is, how can we give it away? Give it away to as many people as possible. How can we serve people with what he has given to us? Maybe it's your time. Maybe it's your schedule. I love that we live in Southern California, and recently I came back from a trip to Washington. In Washington State, I lived there for 14 years. Everything moves a lot slower in Washington. Yes, some of you guys know, P&W all the way. And so what happens is there, like, literally, you ask somebody to do something, and they're like, okay, I'll be, it'll be ready in a week. Now, we, uh, Southern Californians, we're like, we're like oh, what are you talking about? I need it yesterday, right? It's like, if I don't get a response to my text message immediately, I'm literally thinking something happened to the person. And they're like, I just didn't have my phone on me. I'm like, what's not having your phone on you? It's strange. And so we live in this perpetually connected culture where we want everything yesterday. And if it's not today, it's already too late. But here's the thing, though. We need to be wise stewards of our time. Is everything that we're doing, should we be doing? Maybe it's something in our schedule that we need to throw down for the glory of Jesus so that we can serve him, serve uh, uh, the, the local church. And so the problem with you and with me is the following. The reason we don't want to, the reason why we don't believe this text in our sinful hearts is because we think we control everything. And today's the day when we find out that Jesus prepared everything for you. We throw up the white flag of surrender. We stick a fork in it. We say, I'm done. And we say, Jesus, you can have it all. It's all yours, God. I want to serve you with everything that I have. 
Now, I often hear excuses, okay? And, and people just have excuses for all sorts of stuff. And here's the number one excuse people say to me when I, when I say, let's serve in a church. Let's open up a community group. Let's do this. Let's do that. Pastors tend to do that, right? It's good. Everybody should do that. And, and people tend to say, I don't have enough time. The problem with that excuse is the following. Every single time you make an excuse, it's a big white flag that says, I need the gospel to be preached in that particular need. When I say I don't have enough time to devote to the local church, it means I think I control my time. When I say I can't give of my resources to local churches, it means that I think I, I control my own stuff. But the thing is, if you have breath in your lungs, God controlled that. God allowed you and me to wake up this morning. And so a lot of you might be listening to this and say, you know what? I'm kind of afraid to give stuff up. I know Jesus prepared stuff for me. I get this whole Jesus thing. But how do I know Jesus is going to take care of me in the future? Let me ask you a question. When you woke up today, did you have a pulse? If you did, Jesus is taking care of you because your past history with Jesus determines your future history with Jesus. And history is made every single day. Jesus will take care of you. About 10 years ago, um, almost 10 years, years ago, my wife and I had to make a very... Uh, a crazy move from Washington to Southern California. Well, for her, it was just going back home. For me, it was something completely, exactly, whoop, whoop, SoCal. So for me, it was something completely brand new. And at that particular moment, a brand new, newly, newlywed, married couple, we didn't know what the future held. We only knew that Jesus prepared it, but we didn't know what was going on. I didn't know where I was going to work, where I'm going to go to school, where we're going to live, but we just trusted God. We obeyed God. We threw it down, everything we had, and said, God, lead us to the right place. And you know the crazy part? When you surrender to God, He actually like comes through and, and, and takes care of you. It's called faith. It's, it's called walking this dangerous faith. I want us to be, a forward church, to be such an audacious um, body of believers that we do things that scare other people. If your life, you're living it, and people don't demand an explanation that demands the gospel, we're not living with enough faith. And this is the reality of this um, particular text that we're talking about. And so the second thing, not only Jesus prepares the way for you, whatever it is that you're going through, Jesus prepared it. He just wants you to trust him. The second thing is this. Jesus desires to be worshipped by you. A lot of people are saying, I don't like to worship or I'm not a worshiper. Maybe somebody uh, dragged you to church today and fooled you into thinking this was going to be a rock concert or something. Good for them. It's okay. It's for a good cause. And people say, I'm not a worshiper. I don't worship Jesus. Here's the thing. You're You're not created as a worshiper. You were born worshiping. Every single person is wired to worship. The question is not whether you are a worshiper or not. The question is who or what are you worshiping? And some of you might be listening saying, well, I don't really worship a lot of things. Let me ask you, what do you spend your time on? What do you spend your talents on? What do you spend your money on? If you go to online banking and you do a little pie chart, right? Something that gets kind of painful, right? We can repent later. We'll have a time for a response after this, right? So the point is that Jesus desires to be worshipped by us, and that's the best thing for you and for me. And worship is not an activity that we do on Sunday. Worship is all day, every day. And so, yes, we gather together in a big group on Sundays to encourage each other and to inspire each other, and this is a taste of heaven. But technically speaking, how often do we, how long do we spend in an actual church environment? Maybe 10% of our entire life. Some of you who are a bit more spiritual, maybe 13 or 14%. So the point is this, we shouldn't just be coming to church, we should be the church. And we should never stop 
being the church. And that's basically the hands and feet of Jesus. It's going into the community that we're in and explaining to people that I love Jesus and I love you. How can I help you? How can I support you? How can I serve you? And so the great thing about Jesus is the following. Why do we need to be worshiping him? Well, first of all, he's God. And in this particular text, as people are getting the colt uh, untied for him, the disciples are, people know Jesus is famous in these areas. And Jesus has done a lot of really crazy miracles. So he healed two blind men. He resurrected Lazarus. Now, how do you prove to somebody that you're God? Just take a dead person and make them alive. You got it? Okay, cool. Then you're Jesus, right? It's pretty good, right? It's like, how do you impress your friends? Jesus is like, okay, he was dead. Now he's alive. Do you believe in God now? It's very simple, right? And so Jesus does that. And that's why he has credibility and he has authority. So Jesus resurrected dead people. He healed two blind guys. Now, again, he's... Um, just before this story, he was hanging out with a guy named Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was who? Was he somebody that everybody wanted to hang out with? No way. He was a tax collector, right? It's like some of the worst things that... Uh, I'm going to tell you right now. This is the news that you'll never want to hear, and it's never going to be good news. If you ever get a call and it says, Hey, I'm the, from the IRS, and I, want, and I want to help you, it's a lie. Okay? They're lying to you, I promise you. So Zacchaeus was kind of like that guy. He was standing basically at borders, and he was collecting a very high toll, kind of like the toll road people. I'm just kidding. And he is basically collecting the tolls so that he can make more money off of people. And Jesus saw him because Zacchaeus, if you guys ever, if you have a church background, you know Zacchaeus was a wee little man, right? The little song, a wee little man was he, da-da-da. Okay, that's my church background coming out. Flannel graphs, okay? So basically, what Zacchaeus does is he runs up on a tree, and look what Jesus does. Jesus sees him, and he says, hey, come down from that tree. I want to go have dinner with you today. Zacchaeus is an outcast. He's marginalized. He's on the fringe of society. Nobody wants to hang out with Zacchaeus. Nobody wants to spend time with him. Nobody wants to go to his house. Jesus does. So my question to you and to me is, as a church body, who are the people in our life that we're going to go to? Who are the Zacchaeus in our life where we want to go to them? Maybe it's people who are marginalized. Maybe people who... People forgot about them when they're not hanging out with them. This is why Jesus pursues people. And friends, if Jesus pursues people, you and I should pursue people. Amen. That's the goal of us. It, we're in the people business. It's all about people. And when we talk about forward church and why do we want to do what we want to do, we want to be, here's what happens in most churches and most cultures. People become what they celebrate. Okay? Forward church, we want to celebrate three things. We want to have a party when this happens. Number one, people meeting Jesus. That, that's awesome. Somebody met Jesus, turned their life around. They had addictions. They had all sorts of stuff going on. Now they're like, I really don't even know how this happened, but I love Jesus. I quit this. I quit that. All I want to do is serve God. Awesome. Let's celebrate that. Let's celebrate people meeting Jesus and let's go out of our way to get people to meet Jesus, which brings me to my next point. Number two, what we as a church need to celebrate. Not only people meeting Jesus, but number two, people coming to church. It should be a celebration. I love when I get text messages. I've been getting a whole bunch, and you probably got a whole bunch from me too. Um, <laughs> in the last couple of weeks, people text me. They're like, hey, I have a friend, and pretty much they're going to come to church, and I tried so hard, finally they agreed to. Hallelujah. It's a good thing. 
We need to celebrate that. We need to celebrate getting people to come to church. I don't care what you need to do. During the week, you're out getting coffee. You're at work. You're in your cultural environment. You're in a retail store. Hey, pass the ketchup. Do you want to talk about Jesus? Like, it doesn't matter. Whatever it is that you're doing, double-double animal-style fries, mustard fried, here's a forward church invitation to Easter. Can I get amen for that? So that's what we got to do. So number one, people meet Jesus. Number two, people come to church. Our goal is to pack this place out. And the point is why? Because the more people hear the gospel, the more people are going to change and live for the gospel. And the more people are going to want to live as Jesus followers. Now you might be saying, what's the point of all of this stuff? Here's what I'm going to say. We're in Irvine. Okay, And if you look at the demographics of Irvine, Irvine is a glorious and marvelous city. It is a city that's going to go down in infamy and history. Not just Irvine, all of South Orange County, right? And here's what happens about Irvine. Irvine is the number one safest city in the United States. Number one safest city in the United States. I don't know how many cities there are in the United States. I'm bad with math, but there's a lot, okay? Number one safest city. Number two, Wall Street Journal ranked... Irvine as the number one best run city in the country. Best run city in the country. Number three, Irvine is ranked number five, I'm not sure how it's number five, but number five best place to live in the country. So the, the largest employer of, of, uh, of, of um, Irvine is UCI, over 2,200 employees. When we, exactly. When we, talk about, <laughs> when we talk about demographics, Ages 18 to 24 is 33% of Irvine, 18 to 24. Coming in at a close second at about 23% is ages 25 to 44. That's what Irvine is comprised of. Now you might listen to this and say, wow, it's glorious. We got the Irvine spectrum. There's another Irvine spectrum being built across from the Irvine spectrum. That's what people, <laughs> that's what people in SoCal like to do. We have plazas, shopping, working, and sleeping, and eating, and repeat, right? And Jesus somewhere mixed in between. No, we want Jesus in the entirety of all of that. And so here's the point. With all of its glory and grandeur and splendor of Irvine, what good is it if Irvine and surrounding areas gain the whole world but lose their soul by not acknowledging Jesus as Lord? That's why we're here. We're here to reach people. And some of you might be saying, why do we need another church in Southern California? We're in the land of mega churches. You're right. And I'm going to tell you why. Because if there is still at least some people out there who don't know Jesus, we need more churches. Thank you for listening to this curated audio content from Pastor Bogdan Kipko. We hope that you were encouraged and inspired by this message. Bogdan is personally convinced that whatever fills your mind fuels your life. It is his life goal to help you faithfully follow Jesus. For more information, please visit fuelforlife.tv.